All right, take out your Bibles, turn to the book of Numbers. Number three, week number three in regards to one. Okay, the first week we talked about one. Uh, we're in Numbers 25. We, uh, first week uh, we talked about uh, one shot, and we mentioned the fact that we have one shot at this life. One chance to have an impact. And uh, you don't know when that shot's going to end. You don't know when that shot is going to end. You don't know when, uh, when, when your life on this earth is over. Obviously, we are just hearing the announcement just now about uh, Pastor's mom. Completely unexpected. Somebody making a left-hand turn in front of three lanes and her hitting them. Wasn't her fault, but she didn't know her life was going to end. And you don't know when yours is going to end. What are you going to do with the shot that you have? The chance that you have, you know, you, you see uh, different athletes and they're looking for their, their one chance at fame or uh, maybe a, a musician and things and looking, this is my shot at it. They're going to maximize that. Why? Because they want it to be successful. Spiritually speaking, what are you doing with your shot, your chance at, at life or your chance at doing something for Christ? And so we looked at, first of all, one shot. The second thing we looked at was one teenager. We talked about David last week and the fact that David, uh, in, the, in the story of David and Goliath, and uh, the fact that uh, he came up and we talked about the fact that he heard the same exact words uh, that everybody else heard and how he, uh, he acted upon it then and how he, he, as a teenager, stepped up, was able to defeat Goliath. Now, obviously, God was with him and he understood. He learned way back, the Bible says, with the, with the lion and with the bear. He learned way back then that God, or to trust God and that God would take care of him. And then when it came time for the big test, he passed. You know, we don't have, uh, you don't know what your big test is. None, none of us do. There's a story, um, well, I've heard a preacher say this before in regards to, uh, the Bible talks about, uh, in one, I forget which verse it is, but it talks about the evil day. And he said, he, and his personal belief is that the means a specific time, a specific time where the devil wants to completely knock you out. Everything else is you can consider mild temptations and all that, trying to keep you at bay. But then there comes one specific point where he wants to knock you out. Are you going to be able to stand in that evil day? And David here, that was his moment. Everything else was training for that. You know, you think no athlete, uh, you think of, of buzzer beaters. I love, obviously, we're coming up to March Madness time. I love March Madness. Um, but you see, you know, the, the, the lower-ranked uh, lower ranked team uh, that fights and hangs in the game and finally hits a buzzer beater at the end to beat a, a team that's ranked a lot higher. But that didn't happen. It wasn't just they pulled, you know what, hey, uh, we got a last-second shot. Let's pull that water boy in. No, 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 no. They took somebody who had worked and put the effort in and had trained for it. David had trained. It wasn't just random. Hey, you know what? One day he took a sling, swung it around, and that rock happened. It. No, no. He had trained and he had honed and sharpened the skills that God had given to him, and then God used it. That's why I emphasize to you guys the talents and abilities that you have that God's given to you, they're not solely for the purpose of using when you're an adult. They're meant to be used now. Sharpen them. Use them. Make them into what God can use them to be. I don't know what each and every one of you have talents at. I see some of it, obviously, with, uh, with school, with the music program, with choir and with band and on the sports fields and courts. I see those talents. Uh, some of you uh, have talents. Oh, I see it in class. Some of you can't shut your yappers. Okay? You can talk to anybody about anything, about nothing. You just sit there and talk because you like to hear yourself talk. That, as irritating as it can be sometimes, that's a God-given uh, ability, a God-given talent, because you have no, there's no shyness there. Some people are painfully shy. They can't talk to somebody. Now, here's the thing. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much shall be required. Well, I have this ability to play basketball, or I have this ability to play volleyball, or this ability, I'm really, really smart, I get really good grades, okay, or I'm really good with my instrument, or on the piano, or I'm good with talking to people. That's fine. That's great. 
How are you using that for Christ now? Not 20 years down the road when you're an adult. How are you using that for Christ right now? Because, like I said the first week, you don't know how long your shot's going to be. Well, tomorrow I'll do it. Like the, the uh, I think the rich young ruler that said, or you know what, I'm going uh, to, uh, what's he say? Or oh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you shall die. And he says, nope, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. You don't have tomorrow. And I don't, obviously don't wish that on anybody, but what I'm saying is what are you doing right now to make it count? And so we said one shot and one teenager. Now look at, and we got, are going to read a lot here uh, through this, for this. Really, I'm going to read the entire chapter, verse 25, and then we're going to break it apart uh, in verses here. So uh, bear with me. Follow along if you have your Bible. If you have a Bible on an app, fine. If you don't have, I gave you one of the Bibles from there last week, and you forgot that. Are you going to take it home with you? Okay, we need to put a special one, put, it, put Betsy's name in it and leave it up here, so. Okay. Um, The Bible says, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one, of his, every one his men that were joined unto Bel Peor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them, both of them through. The man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel, and those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the, or consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made an atonement for the children of Israel. Now the name of the Israelite that was slain, even that was slain with the Midianitish woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, the prince of a chief house among the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianitish woman was, uh, that was slain was Cosby, the daughter of Zur, He was head over a people and of a chief house in Midian. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, and the daughter of the the prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague, for Peor's sake. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for all that you've done for us. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity uh, once again to meet like this. And Lord, we uh, we know we're not perfect, Lord, but we're we're striving to grow. We're striving to uh, get better. And Lord, I just pray that you would... uh, help us. Lord, you would give us the wisdom we need. You'd help us to walk with you the way we should and allow your word to change us. And Lord, once again, we can't change ourselves, but Lord, the longer we, the the more we spend time with you, uh, the more you will change us. And Lord, that's the only way we're going to become the men and women that you'd have us to be. Be with us now, Lord. May our hearts and minds be open and receptive to you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, a little bit heavy tonight, and obviously at first, and then you'll, you'll understand where we're going here in a second. What we find here, the Bible says that the children of Israel, uh, they had uh, joined themselves. The Bible uses a term there. It says that uh, in verse uh, 3, and, and Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. Baal Peor was a, a local god, if you will. Um, Baal, in uh, most pictures that you'll find, Baal, Baal was a bull. 
uh, in, the, in the way he appeared. Um, and in turn, this, this was a specific God uh, that was worshipped in that particular area. And the Bible says here that Israel, in moving through, had decided, you know what? We're going to join ourselves with this God. We're going to worship him just like we would worship the true God or just like we worship this God or that God. And it's one of those things that, unfortunately, as we watch with Israel, the same thing happens in the book of Judges. The same thing happens really with Israel for a very long time. The idea that worshiping the true God, for whatever reason, was difficult for them. And they would look for this and they would look for that. You think uh, the Bible talks about making their children pass through the fire to the God uh, Molech or the God Chemosh or, in this case, uh, this God of Baal Peor, all these different gods, rather than worshiping the one true God, that's what they began to chase. And the Bible says specifically here that they decided to join themselves to this. It wasn't just a random uh, a accidental thing. You know what? Well, just for today, th to join with, uh, I think would uh, we could... Um, uh, use the same biblical word to cleave. Uh, the Bible says that we're supposed to cleave to the Lord, literally fasten ourselves to him. And in this case, that's what the children of Israel basically said. This is the God we want to worship. When the children of Israel, the Bible says when uh, Moses went up in Mount Sinai and uh, he was up there getting the Ten Commandments, he comes down and meets Joshua halfway. And Joshua says, it sounds like there's war in the camp. And they says, or the Bible, Bible says Moses and Joshua came down and uh, saw what was going on. The Bible says that uh, what Aaron had done is uh, they said, uh, Moses is gone. He's up in that cloud. He's been gone for 40 days. There's, he's dead, and we're down here wasting our time. Make us a god. And Aaron, the Bible says, told them to gather all their gold, all their earrings, jewelry together. He gathered all together, melted it down, formed a calf. And when they brought that calf out of the fire, he said, behold, your God. They were longing to worship something. And rather than worshiping the true God, chose to worship that. And unfortunately, in our own lives, that's where we find ourselves a lot of time is we, we worship what we want to worship. And I've told you before, it's not, we think, well, but, but when I come to church on Sunday, I worship God. That's fine. But if you look in the Bible, the majority of times you find the word worship, you also find the word service. Well, but I worship God. Okay, well, who are you serving? Because who or what you're serving is who or what you're truly worshiping. Well, but, but, but I want to do this for me, and I want, okay, then you're serving yourself, which means you're worshiping yourself. And none of us would bow down to ourselves in the mirror in the morning or bow down to an idol on the mantle in our house, but our actions, our service shows who or what we're truly worshiping, and that's where we find the children of Israel here. So as we, and once again, there's going to be a lot of verses. I think I've got around 40 slides or so, and uh, so bear with me. And uh, all of them are verses, so bear with me as we go through here. So we said, we see, first of all, and obviously we'll go through here. Uh, we see, uh, the Bible says in uh, Numbers 25, 1, Israel, they're abiding in a specific place, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. Basically what had happened, the Bible, if, if your Bible's like mine, right underneath chapter 25, it says in quotation marks, the doctrine of Balaam. Okay, Balaam was the man uh, way back, well, actually not way back, we're in the book of Numbers, uh, uh, Balaam was the man who uh, wanted to curse Israel. Balak came to him and said, you know what, uh, Balaam, I know you're a prophet. I want you to curse Israel because I know whatever you say, God will do. And Balaam went, or Balaam went to God and said, God, can I curse Israel? God said, no. And the whole battle that goes back and forth there. And then he decides to get on his donkey. The donkey runs into the field. Donkey smashes his foot. And finally, the donkey stops. And he gets out, beats his donkey. His donkey argues with him. He argues back. And finally, God opens his eyes and sees the angel. That's the Balaam we're talking about here. He could never curse Israel. And finally, he told Balak, he said, okay, Balak, here's, okay, I cannot curse Israel. God will not let me do it. But here's what you can do. You can get the Israelite men to commit immorality with the Moabite women, and God will curse them instead. 
That's what we're talking about here, the doctrine of uh, Balaam. That's what, ba- uh, that's what Balaam was telling Balak. He was telling uh, him how to get God to curse Israel. And so that's what it's saying here, uh, what's going on. It says, and they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bow down to their gods. And then the last, or the first part here, and Israel joined himself, we already mentioned, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Okay, now I want you to see this, and while I underline, or a part's going to appear here in a second, underline. Number, in the verse 6, it says, And behold, one of the children of Israel, a man, came and brought unto his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So just so you understand, once again, immorality is rampant because... Um, most false gods, especially during this time, but most false gods in general, one of the main ways that they were worshipped was by immorality. Okay, Immorality is, um, oh, let's see here. God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman and for a specific pattern. We've talked about that before. And so what, one of the ways the devil will come at all human beings, I think, is in a way like this, an immoral way. Because we're all human beings, Okay. There's always going to be that attraction to the opposite gender. It's always going to be there. And in turn here, the, or obviously Balaam told Balak about it, and the devil knew that. And as a result, he's doing all he can to attack them in that way. And so we find here it was rampant throughout, the whole, uh, throughout that area of Israel. And as a result, we find this man here so bold. You look where they are. It says at the end of the verse there, they were weeping before the door of the tabernacle, the door of the church. And he brought this woman, this Midianite woman, to commit immorality with, okay? One of the things, if you look throughout the book of Judges, you see the term grove, okay? How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, oh, good. I'm glad to see so many of you read your Bibles, okay? Groves, the Bible talks, or uh, um, uh, Gideon chopped down a grove to Baal. What those groves were, they were, they were clumps of trees, and what they would be used for is immoral purposes, that's what that's you see the groves pop up and all that kind of stuff and that's why he told Gideon go and just cut that thing down so it's not there it's not hidden anymore but here we see on the at the door of the tabernacle he brings this woman I want you to see this here uh make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself okay um now it says there it's in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel in other words it wasn't a secretive thing everyone saw it everyone knew about it if i can say something bad about him moses saw it and did nothing about it really the direction we're going to go tonight we said one shot one teenager tonight one stand is all it takes we're going to look at a man named phineas tonight who stood it wasn't popular people didn't agree with him but his stand stayed a plague from Israel. 24,000 people died in the plague, but God stayed the plague because one man stood up. And so we see here, Moses didn't stand up. The congregation of the children of Israel didn't stand up. The priests that were in the tabernacle didn't stand up. And they're watching all this go on. It says they were weeping. Why were they weeping? They were weeping because they said, you know what? This is terrible. It shouldn't be this way. You're right. So do something about it. You know, it's easy. I put a a thing on Instagram the other day that basically said complaining about our current situation will not reach the lost with the gospel. We're so we're great at complaining. Well, you know what? They shouldn't be doing that. You're absolutely right. They shouldn't. Then do something about it. Now, I've told you before, you're nobody's boss, but you all have friends that are in here. And we've talked before about the idea of iron sharpening iron, stepping up to a friend and say, hey, you know what? You shouldn't be doing that. 
rather than joining in because what happens is you join in and now it's two people headed the wrong way. And what happens slowly but surely, groups fall away. Why? Because one person said, you know what, I want to go that direction instead. What if somebody said, hey, you know what, you shouldn't be headed that direction and pull, pulled them back. Now, once again, everybody makes their own decisions. But I would hate for somebody to look back and think, you know what, why did you not help me? Now, I'm not talking about salvation now, but why didn't you tell me to stop? Or why didn't you? Now, once again, like I said, they make their own decisions. I'm not trying to make it seem like you are uh, anybody's boss. But understand, the Bible says that faith for the wounds of a friend. That's not talking about talking behind their back or anything like that. Sometimes a friend has to step up and say, you know what, you're being stupid. Knock it off. Get back where you're supposed to be. A friend misses teen soul winning. A friend misses the Wednesday night service. Okay? Do you know why? Have you asked them? They're not in Sunday school. Have you asked them why? That's a tough thing, but, but ultimately, they need to see that you're concerned about them. That's part of being a true friend. And here, these people are weeping. That's terrible. They shouldn't be doing this. And immorality is rampant. And it shouldn't have been going on. But nobody would step up. Moses included. Nobody would step up and do anything about it. In Numbers, or later in the chapter, we already read the verse, obviously. In verse 14, it says, it gives the name of these people. And this wasn't, this, these weren't two random people. These were big, what we would consider big name people. As you see here, uh, Zimri, the son of Salu, he was a prince of the, in the tribe of Simeon. He was a big name person. You think, well, but, but if I say something to that person, they, they hold a lot of sway with other people. Okay? Phineas didn't care. Phineas said, you know what? 24,000 people are dead right now because of the sin that's going on. I can't sit back because I'm ashamed. I can't sit back because I'm worried about what Zimri thinks. I need to step up and do something. And like I said, sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes it takes one teenager to step up and say, you know what? This is not right. Let's do this instead. Choosing to do what's right. You know what's ironic is in a lot of cases, I say in the majority of cases with teenagers, the majority are followers. If somebody steps up and says, you know what, here's what's right to do. Okay. And the others follow along with them. But we're so conservative. What is that person going to think? What is that person going to think? And honestly, most of you are probably thinking, you know what, well, whatever they do, somebody just step up and do what's right. And that's what Phineas said. Phineas said, it doesn't matter. I don't care that Moses isn't doing, any, doing anything. Mo, I know Moses was a great leader, but he's not doing anything. The children of Israel, they're not doing anything. The congregation of the tabernacle, they're not doing anything. Somebody has to do something, and so he stepped up. Zimri was the one. The second one was this woman, or this girl, or daughter, I guess, woman named Cosby. She was the, uh, her father was a chief in the house of Midian. Um, once again, it's, it's not some uh, random person. Not that it's okay for random people, but ultimately it's two people who were big name, who had a lot of, uh, a lot of pull, a lot of say in what went on. And Phineas basically said, look, I don't care. Here's what needs to be done. Now, here's, we're, once again, we're kind of, kind of, we're going to come back to the story of uh, Phineas here in a second. But I want you to see this. The Lord, this is what God told Moses in verse 16. He says, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, he says, vex the Midianites and smite them. Okay. To vex, uh, in this case, well, we'll see here in a second. But, but the term vexing would mean angering or appalling. In this case, put, or, uh, put, a, uh, put a hurt on them, for lack of a better way to put it. In this case, because, he says, the next verse, for they vex you with their wiles. Let me ask you this. Here's where it's going to get a little testy for you. When's the last time you were vexed by the world? Something was going on in the world, and as a Christian, it literally hurts you. 
you see this going on or that going on, or you see, you see maybe a friend listening to the wrong type of thing or watching the wrong type of thing, and rather than joining in, it actually pains you because they were being taken advantage of by the world. You see, we don't think that way. We join in. Or you know what? What's well, none of my business. They're their own person. Okay, that, that's fine. But somebody's got to step up and say, look, you shouldn't be doing that. And once again, at that point, it's their choice. You know what? You shouldn't, you know, that, I, I, I wouldn't listen to that if I were you. I wouldn't watch that. But we don't do that because we may be ashamed. And that's why I put it in the order that I did because uh, Phineas had plenty of reason to be ashamed. I, I should, uh, not spiritually speaking, but, you know, it was two high-ranking people that he went after and said, look, you shouldn't be doing this. But he did it anyway because it had to be done. He wasn't afraid to stand. He wasn't afraid to step up and do what he knew needed to be done. And so he says, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, and goes through and explains all those different things. But he uses that term vex and wi- vexing with wiles, and then he says they've beguiled you. The Bible talks over and over in the book of Proverbs about the simple, or about the foolish, or I'm sorry, the fool. There are five different fools mentioned in the Bible. I think in this case we can make the comparison to a uh, simple fool, somebody who didn't know any better, somebody who's beguiled, easily, easily convinced of something. Okay, I've told you before, I have to be careful because uh, I'll tell um, harmless fibs about different things, and so and people believe them. And so some, sometimes I'll say things to some of y'all, and you look at me like, wait a second. Some of you know right off the bat, no, he's not telling the truth. Others of you think about it and think about it, and three weeks later, oh, he was joking. Um, but so I have to be careful with that. But in turn, if you think of that mentality, that's the world looks to beguile you. The world's looking to deceive you into thinking that that is the direction to go, and it's not. That's what you have to be very very careful of. And so that's what uh, God's telling Moses here is, look, why don't you go vex them for a change? Rather than sitting there and letting them vex you and hurt you and come after you, why don't you go put a hurt on them? Um, In some cases, you think of it this way, uh, in a fight. Okay, if you had two people in a fight, one thing I've always seen in the fights that I've seen, whether actual fights or Chuck Norris fights or whatever the case may be, but, but in a fight, okay, in most cases, one guy is more on the defensive, one guy comes out swinging haymakers left and right. And in most cases, who wins the fight? It's the guy who's on the defensive at first, okay? Backs up, kind of sees what's going on, and then steps in to fight. But regardless of what happens, at one point, that guy has to fight, He's not just going to, all right, good, that guy tired him out and he tired himself out and he falls on the ground. No, at some point he's going to have to step up and fight. And it's fine to kind of look, okay, this is where the attack's coming from. But at some point as a Christian, you have to stand up and fight. I think I asked my Sunday school class, it might have been seventh grade Bible. If you think of the armor of the Lord, actually might have been here last week. Uh, the armor of the Lord, you have a helmet and you have the breastplate of righteousness and you have uh, the the skirt looking thing and you have the uh the your feet shot of the preparation of the gospel peace all of that is on the front why because you're supposed to stand and fight there's nothing protecting the back because you're not supposed to run in other words in your own life you have to stand and fight i can help you i can show you here do this and you can do this you can do this but ultimately it boils down to you stepping up and saying you know what i am going to fight so when you're beaten the only person you have to blame is yourself. You see, the devil want, or he, uh, Jesus told Peter that the devil wants to have you to sift you as wheat. He wanted to destroy David, and he wants to destroy you. And some of you are okay with that. You won't stand and fight for yourself. 
The wrong thing comes on your phone. Uh, maybe a, a random ad pops up on, on Instagram or on, well, I've already told, told you my opinions on TikTok, and you've definitely heard my opinions on Snapchat. Be very wary. Why? Because the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And guess what? None of us, myself included, are strong enough in here to stand on our own. Oh, I can handle it. Okay. I'll be here to pick up the pieces, but you can't. And well, I, I think I can't. I, no, 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 no. That's why he worded it the way he did. He said, why don't you go vex them? Why don't you overwhelm them with right rather than letting them come at you and beat you up like they've been doing for so long? And that's the terminology he, hears, he uses here. Like I said, that's a little side piece there. That's, uh, that's free. Um, but we'll continue on. I already mentioned this, and this is where I'm going to get into it. Okay? He says now, he, sa- he tells his story in verse 6. He says, this happens in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel. In other words, everyone saw what was going on. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. In comparison, I think that's actually in the next verse here. Oh, I underlined it, actually. The next verse here, um, we, we talked about this one last week in 1 Samuel. Remember we said that, the, that Goliath came out and he spoke against the Israelites and he began to insult God and mock God and mock the Israelites and all that kind of stuff. And the Bible says that the men were scared. David shows up with the food for his brothers and the Bible says right there, and spake according to the same words, the same exact words, but David heard them. In other words, David said, you know what? I hear exactly what you're hearing, but I'm not going to cower. I'm going to step up and do something about it. The same thing back a couple verses ago, right here. In the sight of Moses, the great leader Moses, he saw what was going on. And then the children of Israel, the people that were going into the tabernacle, coming out of the tabernacle, they saw it all going on, but would do nothing about it. Phineas said, you know what? I see it, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to address it. I'm terrible when it comes to cars. I've told you that before. Uh, something will happen with with the car, and, and thankfully our car hasn't had any. Well, I don't have any. I don't know. This is real wood. Oh, this is real wood. Okay. Thankfully, we haven't had any major problems in a while. Uh, but it seems like you know, other than the trunk, the trunk quit working, but it's fixed now, so don't worry about it. Um, but um, anyway, so. Uh, but the, something will go wrong with the car, and all of a sudden there might be an extra tick in the engine or, or a belt gets squealing or something. And so most people would take it to the dealership and get it taken care of or take it to the mechanic and get it taken care of. I just turned the radio up louder. Look, it's gone. I can't hear it anymore. Um, that's just out of, the idea of out of sight, out of mind. You know, I can't, I can't hear it. I can't see it. So it must not be wrong. Well, in this case, in this, in this aspect, in your own life, you can't afford to say, well, it doesn't really exist. You, that's why I stress to you guys, every time we do any kind of invitation, that it's between you and God. If you cannot be honest where you're at and with God, you can't move forward because God's going to say, you know what? This is what you are. This is what you need to get to. And if you can establish a base, you know what, God, you're right. I am this. Uh, The story of the Pharisee and the publican. Pharisee said, you know what? Thank you, Lord. I'm not as this publican. The Bible says the publican wouldn't even look up, but beat on his chest and said, be be merciful to me, a sinner. In other words, he had a true idea of where he was. And none of us are better than that publican. And so when we come to God, say, God, I want to do, I, I need to get better. I need this. I, I need that. Allow him to break us down to where, you know what? That's where I'm at. Help me to grow from there. You cannot build until you have a foundation. 
And if your foundation isn't solid, if you've not established the right foundation, you can't go up from there. And so we see here, Phineas saw it. Everybody else saw it, but nobody would do anything about it, whether they were scared, whether they thought, well, but, I'm, but, but it's Zimri and it's Cosby. They're both important people. I, we can't do anything about that. Phineas said, I don't care who they are. They shouldn't be doing that, and I'm going to address it. You guys are around each other a lot more than adults are. Okay? You know what each other, if this is proper grammar, you know what each other are involved in. Are you going to address it? You know what others listen to, what others watch, what others look at, what other people's search histories are, what their TikToks are like, their Snapchats, their social media feeds. You know what all that is like. When's the last time you said, hey, you know what? I saw that on there. It should be on there. Some of you in here, I've come to you about that kind of stuff. Because it'll pop up on my feed. Oh, so-and-so like this. So I'll pull you aside. Hey, what are you doing liking this? Oh, I, I don't. Uh. I'll be careful. I'll be honest with you. Some of you just go through like, 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 like. You have no idea what you're even liking. I'm not going to say who. Well, I was an adult. There's nobody in here. But it popped up the other day um, on, my, on Facebook. And it was just a random ad. And it said, one of our church people. And it said, likes Bud Light. Like the ad on Facebook. I'm thinking, wait a second. Can you scroll? Did I see that right? Scroll back down, and there it was. You have to be careful what you, sometimes, oh, you know what? Oh, I like that. Maybe it's a comic or something. Oh, yeah. But you have to realize who it was put out by. And what happens then is that testimony is put out there. But you see a friend like something that, or a friend shows you, hey, wait a second. Why are we looking at that? You have to step up. And here, Phineas saw it and said, you know what? There's a problem. I'm going to address it. So I have to jump ahead, jump ahead a little bit here. Um, Okay, so then from there, oh good, I'm right in time. So from there then, so first of all, Phineas saw it. The second thing, and when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, from the priest saw it, he rose up from among the congregation. In other words, he had to come out. The Bible talks about come out from among them and be separate. He had to come out and do something, okay? It, it's so easy sometimes for us to just, to turn a blind eye to it. It's so, shh, listen, stay with me, okay? It's so easy for us um, to, to see it. Well, somebody else will take care of it. Well, well, I'm sure somebody else will uh, help them with it. But look, Phineas said, you know what? I saw it happen, and I had to do something about it. The Bible says he rose up from among the congregation. In other words, my picture of what's going on right now is they're all sitting together in a big group, seeing this happen. And you can imagine Phineas looking around thinking, is nobody going to do anything about this? And finally stepping up, and the Bible says he took a javelin in his hand, took that javelin to a tent, and basically killed both of them, right through both of them at the same time. All because nobody else would do anything about it. Somebody had to step up. Now, once again, let me stop here, throw in a disclaimer. I'm not telling you it's okay to physically harm people. That is not your business. But the idea of stepping up. Now, in some cases... In some cases, that may be what it takes. You've all seen, whether on TV shows and movies and things, you get somebody, stuff's going on, and they get hysterical. What do they do? They slap them to bring them back to reality. Now, once again, I'm not saying you walk up to somebody, hey, I slap, okay? Because I'm not going to be there to defend you when you go to Brother Molinar's office for slapping somebody, okay? Now, I'll tell you, but after that, you're on your own. Okay, all that, listen, all that to say, he had to get up from among the congregation. It took me back to a different story. Listen, Jesus, the Bible says, after he had been in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
The Bible says that uh, the Pharisees came and they took Jesus. They're getting ready to crucify him. They were interrogating him in a, uh, I believe, the house of Caiaphas there. And the Bible says, we see here, it says, Then they took him, Jesus, and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. Now, before we condemn Peter, the other ten were long gone. They took off and fled from the garden. At least Peter was afar off. Now, here's what I want you to see, though. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, all these people, people who were servants of the people who were interrogating Jesus, who hated Jesus, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. Peter was comfortable sitting amongst the very same people who were getting ready to kill his Savior. Who are you comfortable amongst? Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It's, it's, to me, it's a progression. You walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't walk in the, uh, the ideas, the worldly mindset, uh, the way the world thinks about things. I don't walk there. But then from there, it progresses to just standing. In other words, uh, well, I've already given into the walking part. I guess I'm going to stand in the way of sinners. But then last of all, sitting in the seat of the scornful. In other words, it's a place that all of us could end up. This has nothing to do with your salvation. This is a place that as Christians, we can very easily end up when our hearts are not right with God where they need to be. And we find Peter, the Bible says Peter was comfortable enough to sit around the fire with these people who were, who were interrogating the very person that would, was going to die eventually for him, the person he said he was going to defend to the end, he was comfortable sitting amongst them. Far too often we find ourselves comfortable amongst the world. And i got to hurry, but uh, don't if you find yourself in that place, uh, the Bible says uh, when it comes to the way of the wicked man, to avoid it, to flee from it, and pass not by it, it says in the book of Proverbs. Genesis 6-5, and this is kind of ra wrapping it up with a mindset here. Okay, Genesis 6-5 now, the Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and, creep, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Sad, sad portion of scripture here where Jesus has created uh, Adam and Eve way back, and now man, the Bible says, the uh, thoughts and intentions of his heart were only evil continually. And God says, look, I'm sorry that I ever made man because of what they've become. You know, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so, it sh so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, we looked at Phineas a minute ago. We're going to finish this story in a second, but we look at Phineas. Here, we find Noah, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah stood. Despite everything else that was going on, despite the wickedness that was going on, Noah stood up. And I, I made the comparison to the days of the coming of the Son of Man because you are living, di living in difficult times now, but you can still stand. It's a choice to stand. It's a choice to stand up and say, you know what, this is what's right. Like we said, you have one shot, you're one teenager, but you can make one stand. We see here God then compare, or God makes a statement about Phineas. The Bible says twice, here in this verse, it says he was zealous for my sake, talking about God. And then, or he says, behold, I give him uh, unto him my covenant of peace. And then it says again, because he was zealous for his God. Zealousy is good under control. And this, I believe, was completely under control. It's easy to go out and be zealous and a lot of times when people are zealous, they don't think. But in this case, Phineas was doing things in God's mindset. And as a result, God gave him the victory. God prospered or God saved Israel from the plague because one man chose to stand up, chose to do what was right. Phineas, we can take a lesson from. Uh, 
I don't know what each and every one of you deal with each and every day. I see it from my standpoint. I see interactions and things like that. Don't join in. Be able to stand. Be willing to stand and say, you know what? This is what's right. This is what needs to be done. It's not always going to be popular. I think it'll be more popular than you think, but it's not always going to be the most popular thing because people don't like to be told, you know what? I want, I, I want to do what I want to do. It doesn't matter what other people say. That's how we think as human beings. But it took one person to stand here. You got one shot at life, okay? God used one teenager like David, and in this case, Phineas took one stand, and God used that to save Israel. Are you going to be the one that stands? Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us.